Good morning, and welcome to worship here at Central Baptist Church. As we get started this morning, I'd like to invite you to pass the friendship pads at the end of the pews. If this is your first or second time with us, a special invitation for you to write down some contact information so that we can send you more about our church and the people and the things that happen here. As I welcome you to this worship service, I, will, I want to tell you why I love this place. Throughout our somewhat separate lives, we may feel pulled in a multitude of directions, but we come here to this moment and we sit in contemplation or we stand in celebration as one body. Community is being welcomed by each person you see. To be a place of love when we travel through spaces and struggles that struggle with acceptance. It is to be a place of deep inquiry and to be okay with not having all the right answers all the time. And I welcome you to this beautiful place, surrounded by these wonderful people. May we continue our path of unity in what seems to be a fractured time. And may we continue to be beacons of God's love to those who are hurting and struggling in our world. Let us worship God together. Good morning, I would ask you to stand as we do a call to worship responsibly. You will read the bold. I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I sing your praise and give thanks for your steadfast love and faithfulness. On the day I called you, you answered me. You increased the strength of my soul. Though the Lord is high, he still regards the lowly but the haughty are discovered to be far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the threats all around me. You stretch out your hand and you deliver me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. 
Do not forsake the work of your hands and the good you intend to accomplish with your faithful servants. Now for our first hymn, 694. Remain standing as we talk to God for a minute. As we gather for this worship this day, grant us, O Lord, a vision of your world as your love would have it, a world where the weak are protected and none go hungry or poor, a world where the riches of creation are shared and everyone can enjoy them, a world where different races and cultures live in harmony and mutual respect, a world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by love. Give us the courage and inspiration to build it in this congregation, in this community, in all of creation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you would, pass the peace to your neighbor and beyond. Good morning. That was pitiful. Good morning. There you go. Thank you all for greeting one another and me this morning. I believe that for faith-based organizations, the best part of them is the ministry to which we are called. But I would posit that the second best is the people, the people who live out those ministries. We are the hands and feet the minds and heart of God. And for those of us who are Christians, we are Jesus. Jesus present and active in the world. So it is with that sure knowledge that the folks on the staff transition committee 
are looking at the staff part of Central's people doing ministry. We are not doing that work in isolation. We have engaged a consultant, Colleen Elridge. Some of you may have seen her work as Coach Colleen in the community. She has interviewed our current and former staff and is gonna provide a report uh, for us uh, to look at with that. We have heard from some of you in our survey that we did and we appreciate that input. We are also going to ask for input from you one additional time, and that is a listening session on Sunday, February 24th, two weeks, two weeks, yes, two weeks from now, after church. We wanna ask, do some feedback and have some conversations. Linda Hopgood's gonna lead that session for us. At the end of this process, we're gonna provide a report to the church, and we expect to report on, you know, organizational staff structure from a kind of bones perspective, but we're also going to make some recommendations about how our staff can reflect the diversity that we preach and how we can have an environment for our staff that is encouraging, challenging, and nurturing. We can't do it without your input, so we really want it. We need it. Please join us for lunch on the 24th. Please feel free to talk to any member of the committee at any point with ideas or feedback that you have. So besides me, that's Diane Campbell, Matt Gabbard, Linda Hopgood, Stephanie Moore, Lucy Thomas, and Brad Webb. Thanks. The Hebrew scripture reading for today is from Ezekiel 18. But if the wicked turn away from all their sins that they have committed, and keep all my statutes, and do what is lawful and right. They shall surely live, they shall not die. None of the transgressions that they have committed shall be remembered against them. For the righteousness that they have done, they shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord God, and not rather that they should turn from their ways and live? For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God. Now this morning we enter into a time of confession and repentance together. Um, you'll notice that over to the sides we have a couple of stations set up with some uh, water in a, in a bowl. Um, there's some yarn that's draped across the top. Uh, we use these in early worship. There's often an extended time during early worship of response where we have a chance to sit and pray quietly or respond to God by lighting a candle this morning as our service focuses on repentance and um, we uh, are going to take time to, uh, to make these available to you as well to use uh, this morning if you want to come and to dip your hand into the water to reflect on the forgiveness and the grace that God offers to us. And even take a piece of yarn off of the top and let that be a reminder to you. You're welcome to do that this morning. You don't have to, but those are there for you to use as part of your worship this morning, perhaps during the offertory, during the invitation at the end of the service. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to read uh, and pray our confession together. I'll read the invitation to confession, give you a few moments uh, for silent prayer after that as we confess to God, and then we will respond with a call to confession and a unison prayer together. Let's pray. Lord God, you are a redeeming God. It is not your desire that any of your children should suffer. You hear their cries and you come from heaven to save. As we gather to remember your saving purposes for all who are oppressed, give us minds, hearts, and wills to hear your word to us and then to live it. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Hear our prayers.
God has given the church the message of reconciliation in and through Jesus Christ. We fall short of God's call to be salt of the earth and light of the world. God, our fears and prejudices run deep. Sometimes we can only see our own point of view. We stick with those who are like us, rarely venturing outside our comfort zones. We do not hear those crying for justice and true peace. We blame those who are suffering and in need instead of standing by them. We deny the power of your gospel to unite us with those who are different from us. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Open us to new possibilities of life for all of your people and use us to enact the new life given in Christ. God's life-giving word and spirit conquer the powers of sin and death. Thanks be to God for the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Let's pray again, please. Dear God, we are so grateful that you've given us others to journey with us through this path of trying to be your people, that it's more than just what we feel and what we believe and what our faith is in and what we know in our hearts, but it's what we do. 
but we're afraid sometimes and we draw courage from those around us. We're afraid sometimes and we draw courage by your love. And for those things, we're indeed grateful as it keeps us moving forward to the end of the journey. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Prior to the fundamentalist takeover of the Southern Baptist Convention in the 1980s, Baptists were known to deeply honor a heritage of religious liberty based on a basic understanding of each person's integrity before God. Baptists historically defended the rights of every single individual toward the practice of religious freedom based in conscience. Two of our earliest Baptist pioneers, John Smith, Thomas Helwes, as early as 1609, advocated for complete religious liberty and church-state separation. Roger Williams, whom the Baptist claimed for just a short period of his life's pilgrimage as a seeker, wrote in his 1644 track, The Bloody Tenet of Persecution. Bet you're itching to read that one. As he courageously and prophetically talked about the doctrine of persecution for cause of conscience that must be resisted. And he offered a wide berth for religious or irreligious practice by writing, It is the will and command of God that since the coming of his son, the Lord Jesus, that there is permission allowed to the most paganist, Jewish, Turkish, or anti-Christian consciences and worships be granted to all in every nation and in all countries. 1644. Permission for folks to be pagan, Muslims, or to practice no religion whatsoever to be secured by the rights of your own created status before God. Over 130 years before the Bill of Rights in this country. Let that sink in. This heritage for liberty. The Danbury Baptist Association of Danbury, Connecticut sent a letter dated October the 7th, 1801 to the then newly president Thomas Jefferson expressing their concern over the lack in the state convention of Virginia for an explicit protection of religious liberty and against a government establishment of religion. That letter, 1801, has been pointed to as the origin of that historical metaphor you've heard as the wall of separation between church and state. Then, standing on the steps of the U.S. Capitol on May 16, 1920, Baptist pastor George Truett, yep, Baptist pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, that church, gave this sermon that some consider the greatest speech ever on Christian political responsibility. It was called Baptist and Religious Liberty. In this speech, Dr. Truett said, it is the natural and fundamental and indefensible right of every human being to worship God or not. According to the dictates of his, and we can add her or their conscience, this privilege, according to Dr. Truett, is not merely for toleration, but is to be secured as a divine right, secured by none other than God's own self. Mm. These echoes of voices from the past surely cause us to realize in the modern conversation how much things have turned in the past 40, 50 years, perhaps because Baptists and Americans have been silent on the protection of religious freedom and religious liberty. 
Why have Baptists historically believed in this way? Well, in part, to protect their minority status, of which they once were a part. You never are concerned about the views of the minority when you move over into the majority. But also, and more likely, and more crucially, because of this sincere belief of trying to protect a sincere and authentic relationship to God. That you are free and must be free. And if religion is coerced upon you by state or by family or by others and is not freely owned by you and doesn't arise naturally from your heart and from your own desire, then that religion itself is suspect. That if you are not free to say no to God, then your yes may not be as sincere, as dynamic, as life-transforming as it needs to be. And so you, as an individual, must be free to practice as you see fit or to not practice as you see fit. That God allows you the freedom to wonder, to get lost, to question, to doubt. So that when you hear that call of love, you can respond to it freely, without reservation. This treasured Baptist story of religious liberty and interreligious cooperation is deep within our story. And these hard-won and essential protections may be questioned today. And because they have been questioned, they are being forgotten, and perhaps abandoned. Why? Perhaps because we are building our security upon falsehoods, a shaky deck of cards, a pack of lies that must be called out for the hate-filled, narrow, and reductionistic prejudices upon which they are all based. Immigrants are not here to take your jobs. In fact, most are doing the jobs that other Americans don't want to do and won't do. All Muslims are not terrorists. Do they have dissident elements within their faith? Well, yes. And so do we Christians. And without question... More Muslims have been killed by terrorism than any other group. And the true threat to me, to you, to a member of your family is more likely to come on American soil by a white extremist armed with a gun than from any foreign terrorist or gang member or immigrant. That's not a belief. I'm not just telling you an opinion. That's just the way it is in our country today. Jews are not in totalitarian charge of the world's economy. And I don't think they're trying to take over the world have a hard enough time just trying to survive. Taking over the world is a feat that's already been accomplished by the billionaires. How can one single person amass a wealth of over a billion dollars? Not a country. Person. Do you know there are more Jews who were killed in the Holocaust, 6 million, than the number of Jews now practicing that faith today in America? About 4 million. And if you add on those who claim Jewish ancestry with those who practice Judaism, then you end up with about 7.4 million Jews in America. 
in a country of 360 million people. That's about 1.4% of our population. 1.4%. Yet, anti-Semitic incidents increased 57% in the United States in 2017 compared with the previous year, according to the Anti-Deflammation League. And that there were cases in every single state in our union of these incidences. With alarming frequency, swastikas and messages like, Hitler wasn't wrong, or kill all the Jews, or no Jews allowed, have appeared in synagogues on Jewish graves and homes and school campuses, terrorizing their targets. The FBI also tracks hate crimes in the United States. Its 2015 report showed that Jews were the most frequent target of anti-religious hate crimes. Of the 1,402 anti-religious hate crimes reported in 2015, over half, 52%, were committed because of anti-Jewish bias. And what subpopulation is growing in their anti-Semitic attack against Jews? College students. Just a few weeks ago, in January. This is February the 10th. The Swaminara Temple, a Hindu place of worship in Louisville, was vandalized. People broke in, wrote Jesus is Lord in spray paint all over the walls. <laughs> Can't call that evangelism, can you? It's hatred. Pure and simple. And I was proud when I learned of many of my Baptist friends associated through the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Kentucky showed up a week later with their 409 bottles and their scrub brushes and their brooms to help clean up that temple and to assure the faithful community of about 100 worshipers that they were loved and supported by the Baptists who worship next door to them in Butuel, in Louisville. Then in Pittsburgh, last October, a man brandishing two handguns and an assault rifle showed up at the Sabbat weekend activities for the Tree of Life Synagogue, shouting, all Jews must die. He opened fire. By the time he was stopped, 11 people, aged between 54 and 97, were dead. And four others, including two police officers, wounded. It was the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. recent history aimed at Squirrel Hill, what was described previously as the heart of this vibrant Jewish oasis. Rabbi Doris Dyan was scheduled to lead morning prayers on that terrible morning. She happened to be running two minutes late, and that tardiness spared her life. She said in an interview afterwards, I'm broken and I don't know any longer how to pray. How much fear must we as a culture endure? How much of a fear-laden culture do we want to be a part of? I heard one way we can characterize fear, F-E-A-R. It's by believing false evidence as real. Fear, like mushrooms, grows best in the darkness. So I was honored to be a part of the Lexington community that gathered a few days after the shooting in Pittsburgh in remembrance of repentance and renewal 
at the Fayette County Administrative School Building with others to stand in solidarity with our city's two Jewish houses of worship, Temple Adopt Israel and Oave Zion Synagogue. I treasure both rabbis as personal friends. One will be speaking next week here at the 11 o'clock worship hour, Rabbi David Wurchafter. Not a Sunday to skip. And this soiled prayer shawl that you see before you draped across our communion table was a part of that service held at the end of October last year. The prayer shawl is called a talith, a prayer covering assumed and commanded in Deuteronomy 22.12 and Numbers 15.38 with these fringes intertwined with knots called zikwit in recognition of the, 16 and 13, the 613 commandments of the Torah. This talith is worn over outer garments for morning prayer and during Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement and Worship. And in the Reformed Jewish tradition, a talith like this is given to children at their 13th birthday in celebration of their bar or bat mitzvahs. Some of you are familiar with that word bar. Simon bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. Son. And bat, the Hebrew word for daughter. Mitzvah meaning the commandments. This prayer shah given to children as they now move into adulthood in the faith and become responsible parts of that faith as sons of the commandments or daughters of the commandments. Jewish scholar Amy Jill Levine points out how the Gospels do not shy away from the fact that Jesus likely wore those same kind of fringes on his garments. Remember the story of the woman with the hemorrhage in Matthew 9.20 that says, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, perhaps the fringes. Zitzi on his robe. Underscoring that fact is Mark 6, 56, that says whenever Jesus went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. And then in Matthew 23, 5, Jesus criticizes the false religious practitioners who exaggerate their faithfulness by making their phylacteries broad, wearing the commandments on their forehead, and their fringes long. Using modern idioms, they wore their religion on their sleeves. And Jesus cautions us to watch, to watch carefully for those who like to make a show of their loyalty by falsely parading an overblown love for religious and political symbiology. Think about that. Why do those who, by practice, undervalue the principles by which our nation has been founded be the same ones who seem to make a great show of how much they love the religious symbols of our country. Jesus says, beware of these false prophets who make a show and who don't have a change of heart. And so at our community service, we did the opposite. Instead of honoring these great symbols, and in light of the Tree of Life shooting, we came forward to soil this powerful symbol of Hebraic faith. Led by the Jewish leadership, the fringes from the Talith were cut, reminding us all that the commandments that God has for us to respect each other in life had been violently violated. And then we took the Kadush, the, the cup of blessing, the forerunner to our Christian chalice at communion, 
And several of us, including myself, came forward and we dipped our finger in the wine, reminding me of the shed blood of Jesus as we continue to deface the purity of the Talith. Each drop, to name ten modern-day plagues, as perplexing and as terrible as those faced by ancient Israelite slaves in Egypt. They were called out with each drop. Gun violence, racism, sexism, economic inequity, domestic abuse, xenophobia, homophobia, addiction, overgrown nationalism, environmental exploitation, and that's just 10. I mean, after hearing that list, would you be willing to go back to just flies and frogs and toads and a bloody river and a regional calamity? For these 10 are just scratching the surface of the plagues around us, crushed by 20 plagues, 30 plagues, 50 plagues, a whole legion of sins and sufferings that they produce. Well, in conclusion, I make this confession. I am a better Christian. I am a better pastor. I am a better human because of my connection with the Jewish community and their leaders. I know I am closer to Jesus when I am closer to them and oftentimes have felt closer to Jesus and their religious community than I have found Closeness with Jesus in some of the Christian associations of which I have been a part. Professor Levine reminds us, Jesus dressed like a Jew, prayed like a Jew, instructed others like Jews on how to live close to the laws of Moses. He argued like a Jew with other Jews and... He died like thousands of other Jews on a Roman cross. And so Jesus, who has been used as a wedge between Jews and Christians, is just as appropriate to be used as a bridge. That Jesus is my host who welcomes me into the faith of his people. Not to criticize them, not to stand over them, not to judge them as impure, but to appreciate from their heritage and to learn from them as I seek to follow the one I confess as Lord. Further, I intend to call out anti-Semitism in our own Christian tradition, whether that's through Constantine or Martin Luther or even the early Christian community or into a modern context of the Christian nationalist today. Because over 2,000 years of history have pointed out the bloodshed, the violence, and the suffering possible when we remain silent. It is forsaking our Baptist heritage and it is allowing untold carnage and suffering when we do not stand up for religious liberty. My commitment to the teachings of Jesus paralleled in the Reformed Jewish tradition by the prophet Hillel teaches us how faithfulness and love for God is only validated out of love for neighbor and wishing to do them no harm. That is the truth that lies at the core of the Torah and the center of the sacred teachings of Jesus. Do you want to show your love and loyalty to God? Then make a difference on how you treat your neighbor. That's what the commandments seek to teach us. That's what the commandments call from us. And that's what invites us into a beloved community of fairness, equality, and acceptance. That's possible because it's possible here. I've seen it with you. And I've seen it in many of the wonderful associations of which I have been a part. Forgiveness. 
true, life-changing, transformative, incredible forgiveness and the new life it brings is possible only like good therapy. After a direct and even brutal and honest assessment of our current condition. That's why the call of the gospel preached by John the Baptist first and then followed by Jesus is to repent and believe. How can you truly know forgiveness unless you deeply recognize and experience your own lostness, your own anxiety, your own blind spots, mistakes and prejudices for you and for the culture of which you live? And how can you truly believe unless you're willing to let go of false beliefs and broken loyalties that result in more harm than good? We do it by repenting and believing over and over and over and over again. Repent and believe. Turn from the old way and turn toward the new way. Turn from the hatred and the fear and the prejudice and turn to the light of God who introduces you to a love and freedom and liberty that you will never find and experience anywhere else. Repent and believe. And so we conclude as I invite you to pray with me this prayer of action, this hope for a new world. As we prepare for our invitation, which we will stand and sing after this prayer, which is a call to the unity of the Christian fellowship, let us now pray this prayer together. Oh God, you love justice and you establish peace on earth. We bring before you the disunity of today's world, the absurd violence and the many wars which are breaking the courage of the peoples of this world, militarism and the armaments race which are threatening life on the planet, human greed and injustice which breed hatred and strife. Send your spirit and renew the face of the earth Teach us to be compassionate toward the whole human family, strengthening the will of all those who fight for justice and for peace. Lead all nations into the path of peace and give us that peace which the world cannot give. Amen. Let us stand and sing.
They say the only safe place in the time of a hurricane is in the eye of the storm, so I have to tell you that I wanted to look at the radar map before you left here, <laughs> and um, that we're in the white space over there where the little arrow is, and then all around us is that weather. So you've got some time to have lunch and to get safely home. But I am so glad that you've been a part of this service today. It has encouraged my life and my faith uh, to be with you, and I am thankful that you have chosen to be with us here uh, this morning. Uh, let me make a special request that if you ever want to come to two services, uh, next Sunday would be a good time to do that. At 8.45, Kara Kilpatrick will be bringing the sermon for the early service, and then as I said earlier, David Worshafter, the rabbi from... Uh, Temple of Death will be here at 11. Um, so if you want to make a full morning of church of it, that would be a great day to decide uh, for the variety and the offerings that are here. But come to one or both or either um, and, uh, and be a part of that wonderful day together. Um, I will be in Montgomery, Alabama with the First Presbyterian Church. We are visiting the newly opened Legacy Museum that's there. And I have started a blog that will be used to help with the travel experiences uh, that you are welcome to visit. And that blog is Reverend Mark Johnson, really REV. REV, uh, not uh, just not the Reverend part, just REV Mark Johnson. You'll find that. Dot com. Um, trademark to be patented, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you're welcome to kind of be a part of that journey in that way. And I look forward to hearing these sermons and things after our return. Also, after the service, visit the prayer shop if you'd like. You can see the, the soiled marks, and you can get a closer view of this as you leave. Aaron, dismiss us now. Thank you. Just a few quick announcements before we go today. There's lots of things to be involved with as we... Uh, gear up uh, this spring there is a talent show next sunday evening so if you have a talent hidden or unhidden um, feel free to come and share that sign up out there uh, in the foyer for that it's going to be a good time it's a great time for us to uh, um, to share our talents and have a good time with with uh, each other this wednesday we will have a valentine's day meal on wednesday uh, We'll uh, have a pasta dinner at 5.45 p.m. here, and then after that, we're going to spend the time writing some cards to folks who need some encouragement uh, in our congregation. So come join us for that this Wednesday. Baby Boomers will be traveling uh, to see the World Peace Mandala in Frankfurt uh, this, uh, this Thursday, uh, February 14th. So join them for that. Uh, book group is back. We're going to meet at the end of the month, so if you're interested in reading a wonderful work by Brene Brown, we'd invite you to join in with that. Uh, you can sign up uh, out at the, the table in the foyer for that as well. And also, we're still looking for help for our Habitat Build, where we're uh, coordinating with several other churches uh, to build a house. This happens every other year, and we're excited about this, and we can use your help. No experience necessary, um, but uh, they can use you if you can come and be a part of that. So, now, if you would... Please receive this benediction. Now may you go with the imagination of our great creator, with the compassion of our wonderful redeemer, with the inspiration of our transforming sustainer, to different roads, to different ways, to different vistas, with the same faith in God's goodness, the same love for all humanity, and the same hope that peace and justice will prevail. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.